3: Brought to us every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern here on the Pagans Tonight Radio Network. Nature Folk with Selena Fox is a production of Circle Sanctuary's radio ministry program. Tonight's program is a rebroadcast of an episode of Circle Craft Studies with Selena Fox from May of 2012, where Selena talked about different types of healing meditations and also guides several meditative experiences. And after Nature Folk, please stay tuned for the other Circle Sanctuary radio ministry program, Circle Talk.
4: Welcome to Circle Craft Study with Selena Fox. This is Selena Fox, and tonight we're going to journey into the realm of healing meditations. We're going to begin with a meditation that's very simple to do, and that is the meditation of breath. So, wherever you may be, if you can. Take a few moments now to do a healing meditation. I invite you to do so, or to listen to this podcast later when you are at a place and time when you can actually engage in the healing meditation practices. So you begin by sitting comfortably, ideally with your feet on the floor and your back straight, hands resting on your lap, taking a deep, slow breath, and then releasing it. Taking another deep, slow breath and releasing. And as you are breathing in, feel a healing warmth flow into you. And as you breathe out, Dispel any barriers to healing, to balance, to comfort, to wellness. Breathing in, healing, and with your out-breath, releasing. And as you continue to breathe in and out in an intentional healing way, experience yourself becoming more and more relaxed letting the healing power that's within you and around you be more present, blessing your body, your mind, your stamina, your feelings. your inner self with healing, with peace, and well-being. Blessed be. So tonight we're going to explore working with healing and meditation. We're going to explore some basics, and we're also going to have some guided experiences. And I invite everyone who's listening to connect with this tonight in a way that works for you. Healing can be seen as having three parts. The first part, clearing away disease, dispelling Barriers to getting well. It's healing by release. The second part is curing the condition, bringing repair, renewal, restoration. The third part of healing is enhancing. Well being and sustaining that as one continues on in life journey. Some will do a meditation for one of the three forms of healing. Some will do a meditation that includes two or three of them. Regardless of what the particular form of meditation you're going to be using for healing, it is good to do your healing meditation work in a place away from distractions, a place where you can have some quiet and focus, be comfortable with your body. So you may be sitting or laying down, or standing in a place where you can rest your back up, like against a tree or a wall. You can do a healing meditation while you're moving. But whatever place and time you pick for doing a healing meditation, it should be something that will allow you to do the meditative work without interruption. The next thing to do is to figure out a way to start shifting your consciousness from a lot of thinking, from a lot of doing and planning and organizing, getting out of the rational analytical side of mental processing and coming to a place where one connects with inner peace with the divine that's within self that surrounds self. And there's different ways of doing that. One is by sitting in a particular posture and that you associate with meditation. Another is lighting some incense that you associate with meditation. Sound of wood is something that I like using and have associated with meditative states for a long time. Or if you're in a place where you can't kindle smoke, you can use a bit of oil, such as lavender oil or frankincense oil, and anoint your middle of your forehead with it. You might put a dab right under your nose so you can experience that aroma, rosemary oil, another wonderful oil that can aid not only in meditation but in remembering your meditative experiences. One thing you can do is actually take a bit of that rosemary oil and put it on a hairbrush and brush it into your hair. And you actually then have this wonderful aroma that can be with you, which is, in a way, having the aroma of incense around you. So you find a, a place to be, a time to be, and you find a method to help shift you into a meditative consciousness. It's important to pick a kind of meditation that's most likely to work for you and that will be suitable for what the particular kind of healing work that you would like to have done the breath is one of the most common meditative tools you can do the exercise that we began with where you simply breathe in and breathe out bringing in relaxation And as you breathe out, releasing and deepening the meditation, so it's a kind of circular in and out with your breath, deepening your meditative state and bringing greater healing with you. Another form of breath meditation is to take a deep breath in on a four count. One, two, three, four. Then holding it for a four count, hold, two, three, four. Exhaling on a four count, exhale, two, three, four. Then being empty, two, three, four. So breath completely out, breath coming in, breath held, breath released. That meditation is a bit more complicated, but if you are able to do that kind of rhythm, you will find that that really helps develop the skills of being able to work with breath and breath rhythm. Another type of breath is to breathe in on a really slow breath. Hold it a moment, not necessarily a four count, and then as you exhale, let the exhale go out very slowly and making a sound with the breath. And having the breath sound of the breath coming in and then the breath being released you've added another dimension to your breathing meditation. Not only are you working with the breath, but you're working with the power of sound. Affirmation is another kind of healing meditation. Affirmation can be a single word, it can be a phrase, or it can be a sentence. Shorter generally works better for someone beginning the use of this technique. And in situations where there is high stress, a shorter affirmation is a good starting place because then that rhythm can be very easily established. And then if a longer affirmation needs to be woven in, then it can be because a certain amount of relaxation is achieved by working with a single word or a short phrase. So what are some examples for affirmation? Peace. Peace. Or inner peace. Inner peace inner peace. You can lengthen an affirmation by calling the quality, by affirming it is within you and around you. Healing is within me. Healing is around me. Healing is Healing, healing. Healing is within me. Healing is around me. Healing, healing, healing. Healing is within me. Healing is around me. Healing, healing, healing. So that's an example of an affirmation that's a type of chant. Affirmations also can be sentences. I call forth the wellness that is within me to be with me and to heal me. So mote it be. So you can Repeat that a single time, or what most people do is repeat it over and over and over. So in a way, the sentence is a kind of healing prayer. What you do with affirmations is you are working with words, you're working with concepts, and when you're doing it repeatedly, whether spoken or if you choose singing, you have Chant, incantation, rhythms, melody when you're using the music, all being healing modalities that can aid your healing meditation. Healing meditations can be with movement, standing in one place and moving the body to wonderful music, Standing in one place and moving arms in a particular pattern, such as by the side and then up overhead, feeling the healing coming through hands, then taking that down, holding them to the heart, then moving hands down to the side. So doing a series of ritual postures or gestures helps move energy. In a way, it's a kind of healing meditative dance. Walking in a circle is not only a way of creating sacred space and attuning to sacred space, but the act of encircling, especially walking clockwise, for those who have clockwise, as a movement pattern associated with bringing forth what you're intending into oneself, such as healing. That kind of rhythm and movement can deepen and balance one's own self. Another kind of moving meditation is a moving meditation, walking at a natural area, walking through the forest, through a meadow, by the seashore. Or lakeside. Walking can be done in many places urban, suburban, rural. Walking as a way of reflecting and contemplating, of exercising. And a brisk walk can actually release something that's known as endorphins that can bring a sense of well being through brain chemistry, naturally occurring. One of my favorite ways of doing healing meditation is that of nature communion. It can be a nature walk, but most frequently the form I use for nature communion is to sit at a place with a view of a natural area. It can be sitting on a rock on a hillside overlooking a beautiful valley or sitting next to a tree in the forest or standing on a mountaintop or sitting in a meadow. Whatever environment, honoring that space as a healing place, And being able to let the sounds, the aromas, the textures, the colors, the patterns of that particular setting and the community of life there to give you an opportunity to shift out of human-centric awareness into being part of a larger fabric of life, being at one with nature, connecting with the bliss of doing so. That in itself can be very therapeutic. Related to this is doing some form of active horticulture, gardening. Digging in the dirt can be a really powerful healing meditation. Working with plants, nurturing them, working with the aromas and the patterns of different soil textures and greenery. Another way of communing with nature by participating in agriculture, horticulture, and other forms of working with plants. One of the most common ways of doing healing meditation is that a visualization of using one's mind's eye to focus on one or more healing symbols or sources and in so doing, having that focused attention on a healing symbol being a form of powerful suggestion within the mind that one is activating more intensely the realm of healing. A meditation that I created a number of years ago I'd like to guide in the next few moments of quiet. It's my rainbow healing lights, And it involves connecting with each of the spectrum colors in the rainbow, beginning with radiant white light, and then if you were to take a prism and direct that to the light source, it would break out the seven rainbow colors, which are red, orange... Yellow, green, blue, indigo, which is like a deep navy blue, and violet, deep purplish violet, ending with radiant light again. There are different ways of working with this meditation to connect with each of those colors and I will share one of the ways that I work with. I like the Rainbow Healing Lights meditation because it's a way of being able to focus on individual colors and develop one's power of imagination and visualization. The act of going through the rainbow colors in sequence can be very relaxing and deepening. And we begin with white and then start with the warmer colors and then go through um, the cool, what is known as the cooler colors. And for those who work with chakra imagery, each of the spectrum colors is said to be associated with a different energy center on the body, or chakra, as it's known in the east. The root chakra being red, the orange right below the navel, the belly chakra connected with orange, the center right above the navel is connected with a bright, sunny yellow, the heart area with a vibrant green, The throat area with a beautiful blue, the center of the forehead or the third eye with the deep blue night sky indigo, top of the head being a purple violet, white being a radiance that's around us. So, one way of working with the rainbow healing lights is not only focusing on the color, but also focusing on the associated chakra. Um, another reason for working with the rainbow healing lights is that as you are going through each of the colors, you may notice that some of those colors may be something that are really easy for you to connect with, and as you do, you feel a real strong energy. That very well can give you guidance about doing some follow-up meditation, specifically working with a color that seems to be very energizing and helpful for you. Not all colors work for all people all the time. And our preferences and the kind of colors that would be useful for meditation for ourselves for different situations and times of day and times of life, that can change. And by doing this Rainbow Healing Lights meditation, it's a way of being able to experience one's relationship with the different colors. Some will say that if you find it difficult to really work with a particular color, you might want to focus on that at a later time as well and see what might be connected with that color and your own states of wellness and healing that are important for you to discover and work with. And the idea of working through the spectrum is a way of going full circle and bringing balance with the different dimensions of self that may be connected with the colors. So for this meditation, I invite you to begin by finding a comfortable place to be. Closing your eyes. And then, using your imagination, call a mental screen up in your mind's eye. And then imagine yourself projecting into that mental screen. and you are at a place of healing with light and as you are in the screen you experience a beautiful sphere of radiant white light coming down and forming around you with you in the center And you experience this healing light, beginning your healing process. Breathing in and breathing out several times, focus on the healing power of the starlight white radiance—a brilliant white. letting your whole attention focus on the brilliant white with your own breathing and with the words that are guiding you on your healing journey. The sphere of light that's brilliant white now turns to a vibrant red. Breathe in and out and be one with the red healing light. Let it flow wherever it is needed in your body, in your mind, in your feelings, in your stamina, in your soul. Be one with the red healing light. The red healing light changes to a vibrant orange light. Become one with it, breathing it in, letting it be around. And in the next few moments of quiet, be one with the orange healing light, taking it in wherever you need it. The orange light turns to a sunny yellow light. You breathe this yellow light into yourself, and let it be around you and in you. Take whatever healing you need for yourself in any dimension of self in as you become one with the brilliant yellow light. Brilliant yellow light now turns to a vibrant green, green healing light. Breathing it in. Breathing it in and out. Letting it flow in any dimension of self that you need. Be one with the healing power of the healing green light. And now the beautiful green light changes to a vibrant blue. And as you breathe in the blue light, you let it flow wherever it needs to go to bring healing and comfort and well-being to you in any aspect of yourself. paying attention to what you experience as you become one with the healing blue light in the next few moments of quiet. The beautiful blue deepens to a deep dark blue and indigo color. Let that indigo light flow into you as you breathe in and out. Imagine it. Be one with it. Let the healing power of the indigo light bless you. taking in what you need from the indigo healing light. And the indigo light turns into a beautiful purple violet. The whole sphere around you is purple violet. You breathe in that light. You breathe it around you. You let that be the focus of your meditation in the next few moments of quiet, taking in what you need. Beautiful purple-violet light. Deepening your connection with it. healing purple-violet light, aiding you, healing you. And the purple-violet light turns to a brilliant white now, and as that whole sphere around you becomes starlight, brilliant white light, you experience a balance of all the healing colors of the rainbow that you've worked with. The healing powers of red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, all in perfect harmony and balance in the white light of healing of spirituality continue to focus a few moments on that radiance carrying with you memories of your experience and focusing your intention that balance and healing and wellness will continue to be with you, even now that this meditation of the rainbow healing lights is coming to an end. And now hold in your mind a few moments the memories of working with rainbow healing lights. And take the power of balance and well-being deep within yourself as you continue your journey in this life. Healing meditations can also work with ritual. One way of working with ritual for a healing meditation is to work with the five elements of nature. Having them physically before you in some form, such as a tentacle of salt or a platter of earth or of rocks, holding that as you meditate on the healing power of the sacred earth and well being for your body. And then with incense with breathing, with a feather, a combination, working with the healing power of air for good mental health, for good critical thinking, enhancing intelligence, the ability to learn, remember, apply knowledge, into wisdom. Working with a wand or a candle flame or some other symbol of fire. Working with that, connecting with that to increase your vitality, your stamina, your life force, your ability to do, to make decisions. To act, letting the healing power of sacred fire aid your actions. A bowl or a chalice of water, working with that, meditating with that to bring healing to your emotions, your relationship life. Clearing away sorrow and pain and anger and fear, soothing and comforting, water for peace and joy, water to connect in better ways with loved ones, for understanding and empathy compassion and sympathy, working with sacred water for emotional and relational healing and well-being. And then for spirit, a symbol of spirit, such as a beautiful clear quartz crystal, spirit that connects The other four dimensions together of body, of mind, of will, of emotions. Spirit, that is soul, spiritual well being, working with the crystal for balance, for integration, for dispelling what's not needed, for bringing what's nurturing, for sustaining the healing. So in ritual, working with tools of the five elements and letting them be a focal point for bringing healing to those five dimensions of life and self is a self-healing ritual that can be done in a meditative way. Finally, I'd like to share with you a way of working with a divine image and a divine place of healing. This is a meditation I did many years ago. It's my Isis healing meditation. Isis was one of the most beloved of all the goddesses across time and space. She was originally an Egyptian goddess of the Nile Delta. But her worship spread throughout Egypt and later through the Greco-Roman world. And even today, her worship continues to be in many places with many people. Many people work with her as an all-goddess. Some people work with her in a winged way, seeing her not only as a great mother, but one with wings. So in this final part of our evening together, I invite you to take this journey with me in a way that works for you and your own path. Go to a quiet place where you can be by yourself and not interrupted. Sit in a chair. Set your feet flat on the floor. Rest your hands on your thighs. Let your back be straight. And now close your eyes. Center and relax yourself by taking deep, slow breaths. Visualize yourself surrounded with radiant white light. When you've finished these preparations, start imagining yourself journeying with your imagination to a healing temple to receive healing for yourself. Imagine that healing temple, that healing place coming before you in your mind's eye. Let it form and then imagine yourself entering that space Stand before the temple's main gateway, doorway, or threshold and spend a few moments looking at the shape, the size, the color, the design of this doorway and the exterior of this temple place. attention to whatever forms and reflect on that so that you memorize that, what it looks like so that you'll be able to return to this healing place in the future, should you wish. Now when you feel ready, Start reflecting on the healing you need and you seek. You may want to pick a word or a phrase to summarize some aspect of healing you look to have. and silently repeat that over and over to focus your attention on your intention now when you feel ready knock on the doorway it opens And enter the temple. And as you enter the temple, you see the great goddess Isis. She stands facing you, her winged arms are outstretched. She is radiant. Healing love, energy emanates from her body and it fills the temple. She welcomes you and asks you to speak about the healing you are seeking. You tell her what you want to receive healing for. Then she tells you to come forward and to receive healing in her embrace. You come forward and she shifts her shape so that she is able to come to you. She holds you to her heart, gently enfolding you in her winged arms and in her love and in her healing power. Now experience her energy flowing throughout your whole being. Chant her name, Isis. Isis, Isis, over and over in the next few moments of quiet time where you use Isis, Isis, Isis to aid your consciousness in merging with hers, absorbing as much healing energy from her as you sense you need. Isis. Isis, Isis. When you have received what you have need, Isis opens her arms again. She stretches them out. At her sides. And now you stand before her with your own arms outstretched. You give thanks to her. As you visualize this, extend your own arms out. in a more waking state of consciousness. You leave the closed-eye visualization with your arms out now by your side, stretched out as if they were winged arms. You feel that you are Isis, her healing power within you, radiating out through your whole body, your whole feeling, your whole mind, your whole energy your whole spirit. And now hold your hands to your heart and affirm to yourself that you'll allow the power of this healing meditation, the power of the healing temple, the power of healing ices to flow through you and your daily life. Now, taking some deep, slow breaths, give thanks to the divine and the many ways that you and we have worked with the divine in healing forms tonight. We give thanks to the healing power of breath. We give thanks to the healing power of affirmation. We give thanks to the healing power of movement. We give thanks to the healing power of nature communion. We give thanks to the healing power of colored healing light. We give thanks to the healing power of the elements. We give thanks to the healing power of ritual. We give thanks to the healing power of guided journey, of the healing places within us and beyond us, to the divine as healer, To divine healing around us, upon us, within us. So mote it be. Well, I am very thankful that we were able to explore the realm of healing tonight. I welcome feedback via my main Facebook page. I met you can go to the place where I posted the link to this show and make some comments there or post some other comments. I also invite those of you who are listening, if you have particular topics you would like to see as we plan shows for the future, you can email them to me, Selena, S-E-L-E-N-A, at org. Well, we have coming up, Pagan Spirit Gathering, June 17th through 24th at Stonehouse Park. There's still time this month to join us, to register. And I wish everyone a wonderful healing journey as you finish the rest of your day and into your night. And coming up, Memorial Day weekend in Kansas City, I will be one of the speakers at the Heartland gathering so psg in june heartland in may and there's lots of other things happening you can find out at the circle sanctuary website we have a fire circle memorial day weekend in the event that you're up closer in wisconsin and would like a shamanic retreat weekend experience wish you all a wonderful evening healing blessings blessed be
3: Was an encore edition of Circle Craft Studies with Selena Fox. We would like to take this opportunity to thank the Witches School International for their Pagan Tonight Radio Network for allowing Circle Sanctuary this opportunity to connect with the community. And now we will transition with The Wheel. Actually, we're going to transition with The Cauldron Born by Dave the Bard. The Cauldron Born by Dave the Bard. And then after that, we have a live edition of circle talk so stay tuned
5: is all blood and bone.
3: Sanctuary's Radio Ministry Program. Join us here every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern following the Natureful Program with the Reverend Selena Fox as we discuss various topics of interest to the pagan community. Circle Talk Radio was hosted on alternating weeks by Circle Sanctuary Ministers Jeanette and David Ewing and Circle Minister Deborah Rose. And before we begin, we would like to express our thanks to the Witches School International and the Pagan Center Radio Network for allowing us this opportunity to reach the community. For more information about Witch School, please visit them on the web at www.witchschool.com. And for more information about Circle Sanctuary, please visit us on the web at www.circlesanctuary.org.
6: Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host tonight on Circle Talk. Tonight we will be talking with Reverend Reverend Higabotham. River connects and brings passionate concern for the pagan community into the world in many ways. River helped start and sustain the St. Louis Pagan Picnic. He's the co-author, along with Joyce Higabotham, of several books on paganism and pagan spirituality. His books include the titles Paganism, An Introduction to Earth-Centered Religions, which I actually think was his first book, Paganism, Pagan Spirituality, A Guide to Personal Transformation, and Crystal Paganism, An Inclusive Path. His books can be found on www.llewellyn.com and amazon.com. He served on staff at Diana's Grove Retreat from 2008 to 2012, teaching rituals, facilitation skills, and group dynamics. River and many friends developed and facilitated the Pagan Spirit Gathering 2014 main ritual, which I got to be a part of it. It was wonderful. And he is the founder and coordinator for Enchantment, Experience of Harmony and Connection at PSG. River's been a guest on Circle many times as a pagan elder and a Circle Sanctuary minister in training. But I am very proud to announce that this year, after completing Circle Sanctuary's minister training program, River was ordained at PSG 2018. Tonight, we're going to talk to River about Rivers Reverend Rivers' journey with paganism, what drew him to ministry, what the ministering training program experience was like for him, and talks about his recent ordination. We've got a full night ahead. Welcome, River.
2: Good evening, Deborah. It's so nice to be here.
6: Didn't I, did I just make you sound so accomplished? Anyway. <laughs>
0: Well, oh, I
6: haven't known River for a long thank you. time, and he is absolutely wonderful. Well, it's funny, how long, because I know I first heard of you associated with the St. Louis Picnic. How how long ago did that start? How many years has that been going on?
2: Uh, St. Louis Pagan Picnic, is. It, it has been going on for 26 years, celebrated the 26th wow. one this past June. And uh, wow. that's, been a, that's been a real a real mainstay of my uh, pagan journey has included uh, being involved with picnic from its inception and uh, curiously. And and luckily I've not, I've not missed any picnic ever, Uh, all all 26 of those.
6: Well, for our listeners who don't know, tell them a little about what is the St. Louis pagan picnic or the St. Louis picnic?
2: Uh, Yeah, we, it's called a St. Louis pagan picnic. It is uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, Uh, held the first weekend in June. It is a uh, essentially a small pagan festival uh, in that uh, we have uh, many vendors, we have music, musical acts, we have teaching, workshop tracks, we have rituals uh, of various sorts. Uh, The the vendors, the the vending booths are uh, split amongst three different types. One is uh, Food booths. One is merchandise, and one is information. And usually, information uh, booths. Sometimes you'll have a like a, a, a group from uh, which school is always there. A group from.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, there's always a booth from. Uh, I think the. Uh, you know, Christopher Penzak's uh, mm-hmm. uh, tradition is, is represented there. There's different. Sometimes different, uh, uh, the Aquarian tra- Tabernacle Church has been there as, with the booth a number of times. And sometimes it's a local group that's, uh, mm-hmm. that reaches out, and sometimes it's more a group of a, some sort of a national base. Uh, we also have authors who uh, are, we have some author tables uh, that allow people who are local authors, especially, to uh, have a chance to, to visit with, meet people, uh, popularize what they've created. So all of, all of these things happen in together over two days in a in a public park and it's free to the, it's free to all who want to show up. And I think that's one of the the neatest things about it is you don't have to pay to come to Pagan Picnic. You just get to show up. And the other thing that that uh, is is really sweet about it is that we are we are offering by having a public event in the middle of a city. Uh-huh. A, a, a display and, a, and an introduction to paganism. Some people get introduced to it because they happen to be riding their bicycle through the park and then they're in the middle of it the, and they, they come into the picnic un, unawares and they learn a little bit while they're there. Some people know know about it but aren't pagan but like to come talk to the pagans or
0: enjoy uh-huh. the music
2: or participate. And, uh, and Other folks uh, kind of know we're pagans and a little bit put off by that uh, but Come, you know, to to kind of see what what's going on, or maybe occasionally spread their alternative messages. But usually, yes. it's it's more than anything a gathering place for people who want to network together. Uh, uh, pagans meeting pagans, supporting pagans, and creating community in in the in the village of pagan picnics. So that's what it is.
6: How how big is it? I mean, how how many people do you uh, rough average usually come?
2: Oh, lately it's been it's gotten large, so usually about 4 to 5,000 people come.
6: Oh my gosh. Wow. I had no idea. Wow. That's great. Uh, I
2: think I think the fact that it's free uh, really kind of helps.
6: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah.
2: But uh yeah, there's there's uh it's that big. There are many, many people there. Uh and there it's an entirely grassroots organized uh, there's no there's no corporate sponsor. There's no particular one group that sponsors it. We've uh, the uh, there is a committee and a board and a, it's a not for profit that sole purpose is to put on Pagan picnic and it's you know there's about 20 or 30 vo- pagan volunteers that make it so. Wow,
6: that I means that's oh, really it's kind of amazing. Uh, uh, we have. My partner and I have always wanted to come, and we never have we need to come, but I had no idea it was that big that is that's really exciting
2: well i'm i'm on, i'm still on, i'm on the committee and i help and uh deborah if you if you come to a picnic then we will put you to work and we will let you ask you to teach <laughs> and ask you and ask office some workshops and and be uh year uh very uh Proud and, and uh, effective pagan priestess itself. We're so funny.
6: Well, I know you mentioned you have several authors there. You are also an author. How did that process? When did you publish your first book?
2: The uh, the first book uh, came out from Joyce and I in uh, 2002, and as mm-hmm. you mentioned in the intro, uh, it is called uh, Paganism. An introduction to Earth-centered religions, mm-hmm. and uh, when, when Joyce and I uh, decided to uh, decided to put a book together, we felt like there we didn't just decide to put a book together. It's more like we were we were involved in teaching and teaching uh, mm-hmm. paganism to uh, to people who were interested in exploring it, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and in our experiences teaching them. Uh, we kind of kept refining how to how to teach it, refining how to teach it, and learning a lot from the teaching process. And and we kept writing down our outline for teaching more and more carefully and thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, uh, eventually, we decided, you know, we could just put it all down in one place and save ourselves, you know, some time and energy. And and we felt as as we as we had this idea of for for an outline for or something like a book. Uh-huh.
0: That,
2: uh, there, we looked at the at the books available in paganism and we knew that we knew that uh, there were many books available uh, that were very tradition specific. Uh, uh-huh. But there were not very many books that were just on paganism. So we uh-huh. we said, you know, we think there's a need here for something that would be a a uh, an introduction to paganism as a general movement and a general umbrella. Term, but not a specific tradition, because there's a ton mm-hmm. of traditions that fit under the umbrella term of paganism, and you know there are people that I would say are pretty much pagan, but don't choose to use the term pagan. Uh, mm-hmm. For for example, uh, the 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 Norse, the heathens, the term right. heathens. It's not. It, it's a near synonym to paganism. It's not identical, and they they have you know the nuanced meaning around it, but. Uh, still, mm-hmm. there's a there's a the collection of earth-centered and and wisdom traditions from uh, many cultures from around the world and uh, you often extinct cultures or sometimes cultures that have survived in small numbers but are being revived now. At any rate, all of those things are paganism, and we wanted to offer a way for people who were not pagan to learn a little bit about it, or if somebody was exploring uh, and mm-hmm. had discovered the term pagan or came to a pagan picnic or came to a festival and kind of got energized to give them just a a different way to get a, a real foothold and understanding what was going on in the pagan movement. And, and honestly, the book asks a lot of questions. It's written as a workbook (laughs) and it it encourages people to, to ask themselves their own, you know, what, what is their own truth? And if part of that truth says that, Hey, they, they accept or they want to claim this label as pagan, then they can do that. They're not obligated to, and we, we really don't try to make a case for them to do that, but really more of a case for them to find their own truth.
6: Absolutely. Um, the Unitarian church that I go to, I belong to the um, CUPS group, which is a covenant of UU pagans. Actually, we used um, paganism and introduction to earth centered religions. Right. And also pagan spirituality, a guide to personal transformation. your second book we use those as curriculum, so they're very highly regarded and I tell anybody to, to go Google on Amazon and get them they're really excellent books
2: and and they're built they're they're both written as uh, workbooks and so if you were if you're going <laughs> to teach since since the <laughs> num- book number one, the paganism book grew out of teaching, there's lots of teaching exercises in it and personal journaling and things like that. The same is true for the pagan spirituality book. And uh, it take, it goes a little bit, uh, it goes into developmental psychology and developmental themes uh, as Uh a part of uh, examining one's spiritual and religious uh, journey. And that's, Uh and that's part of what uh, I think that's why uh, they do lend themselves to supporting uh, an educational curriculum. Like you've, been using in the the CUPS chapter there in Louisville.
6: Absolutely. So I know when I first met you, you were involved with Diana's Grove. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
2: Sure. Um, Diana's Grove uh, is uh, is a community that existed uh, for about 17 years uh, in central Missouri, out in in a very, very poor and rural area. And the, it was it is it was established as a retreat center. Uh, it it operated until about 2012, and then it uh, it closed it closed its doors. And uh, I really it was very sad when that happened. But what a, Diana's Grove grew uh, for a number of reasons. One of which was to to be a a safe space for people who wanted to. Uh, Touch nature, get back to nature, uh, get back to nature in an an intentional way within community uh, to explore their own personal growth and development. Uh, It grew into something which also explored leadership development and and ritual Mm -hmm. arts quite a bit. Uh, One of the motives of the founders, founders are Cynthia Jones and uh, Patricia Storm, uh, they they had kind of a vision to, to form this this uh to go into the woods and form have this form this space and one of the things they wanted to support was the to host uh reclaiming tradition witch camps here in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And they did that for for uh about a decade and a half. There was regularly one of the weeks of the year at Diana's Grove there was a week long witch camp from uh mm-hmm. with reclaiming teachers that would travel there and Starhawk came there and, and many other many other reclaiming teachers. uh Thorne Coyle uh was there as a as a teacher, I think uh, in within reclaiming. Uh and also Thorne would come there and teach uh just in uh they would have intensives with guest teachers sometimes like mm-hmm. Thorne. <clears throat> And then uh, in addition to doing all that stuff, they developed what they called their mystery school, which was a year-long training and community experience. There would be a, every, every month, there would, a group would gather there for a three-day weekend, which they would call an intensive, it's kind of like a mini three-day festival. But uh, the focus was on uh, the, the culture of the community of Dianas Grove, the values of that community, uh, rituals, philosophy, uh, and then the the really brilliant thing that I think they did was they they picked a story, uh, a myth, a story of, from mythology or from from an ancient tradition. Some of the classic Greek stories, uh, uh, either in like uh, Persephone.
6: I was going to say that's uh, the one that came to me.
2: Persephone, yeah, Persephone was a really, really big one. Uh, also, uh, Atalanta was, was one of the uh, Greek story, uh, the story about uh, the labyrinth and the Minotaur. And then there were stories that they also did a year on the King Arthur cycle of stories. They did a year on Tam, twice they did Tam Lynn, which is a Celtic story. So uh-huh. they would take the myth, the story, and they would tell the story Every every time they would get together for the mystery school intensive, they would tell the story. But then the then they would tell the story to talk about where we were in the story, and then a particular intensive weekend would focus on the issues and the, and the personalities and that were that were alive by by the telling of that story. Like uh-huh. in the King Arthur year, they would talk about the incident. For young Arthur and the sword and the stone, and and when you know when when Arthur, as a page assisting his his uh, a senior knight, you know pulled the pulled the the, the sword from the stone to help out his uh, you know, help his his uh, the the knight for whom he was the squire. It turns out uh-huh. he did this miraculous thing of pulling the sword out of the stone, and now he was supposedly the king, which brought its own trouble. So like when <laughs> when if you picked up a sword that wasn't yours and and had it for a while and then realized that you need to set that sword down, and that's not your sword. so that's the kind of psychological exploration we would do at a at a mystery school weekend and then the and then the thing that we would do that really <clears throat> kind of hooked it deeply into our my pagan approach is we would have rituals, and we would do rituals each night that would be created fresh and uh-huh. be uh, part. It would be very, very relevant to the story. It would ask people questions and provide people opportunities to face challenges within the ritual space related to the psychological lessons that the story was telling in that particular month. It, uh-huh. it was a very powerful experience to be part of that community for a number of years um, toward the, I went through a leadership training program known as the Rites of Passage program, Mm -hmm. which is essentially a year of deep student training, student teaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I also served on the staff of Diana's Grove, helping to facilitate those intensive weekends for about the next five years.
6: Yeah. You have such strong uh, ritual skills. Do you think that's really where you honed your ritual skills?
2: yeah there's no doubt about it in in my mind um i was attracted i was attracted to theater and things when i was uh, a youngster and great uh-huh. and middle school and high school but and and uh, i will i will i do say that uh, a little bit of theatrical background training or inclination is very helpful in in a ritual context in many cases <laughs> And uh, and I also sang a lot when I was uh, in grade school and high school, <coughs> so singing is a good thing too for rituals. By the way, uh-huh. can be. So uh, I, I had been involved in a number of different kinds of pagan experiences and Vanda festivals, and enjoyed dramatic ritual and, and uh, meaning mean, rituals that had stories or that were were challenging in a in a psychological sense, not so much. Not so much manifesting and magic, but more right. personal transformation, personal growth. Right. And you know, some rituals aim for that. Some rituals aim for some, mon- some kind of manifestation uh, beyond the intra-personal manifestation of growth. But the uh, so because these the intensives that Dionysus uh, Grove used uh, pagan ecstatic ritual as a cornerstone part of the practice it's something Uh we did a lot and not only not only did we do it a lot but we we learned we learned as a community of participants how to support uh, that sort of ritual because the the rituals that we would do would not be uh they would never be scripted they would Uh always be uh spontaneous and uh extemporaneous in, in what was said. Now we would, we would often kind of in a, if you're familiar with reclaiming tradition, often the, uh, the creating of the sacred space or the creating of the uh, calling the elements and, and bringing in deity and all that would, would often be done in a reclaiming style, which is, Mm -hmm. which offers a lot of uh, flexibility in and of itself. Right. In, in contrast to, you know, there are plenty of, traditions that have a very standard way of doing their invocations uh-huh. and standard way of doing the circle. And the, having, a, having a consistent standard form has its benefits. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, certainly many traditions enjoy, enjoy that and choose that. But an ecstatic ritual experience where the, the form and the outline is, is just a sketch and there, there's a lot of room for individual expression within it. It gives it it it, it uh, brings forward the the value of uh, it brings forward the value of inclusion into the ritual space, such that mm-hmm. uh, a lot every many people can have an opportunity to do some part of it. Uh, right. I think if you go back into old older uh, or more more traditional with a capital T Gardnerian sorts of rituals, often that's you know, it's deep, it's magical, it's, it's, it even, it's serious often, but you often have one or two or, or, you know, several leaders doing the work and, and, and everyone else in the circle participating, but, but not, not speaking, not, not in a leading uh, capacity. Flip that around to a reclaiming an ecstatic ritual. There is a lot more, uh, Participation at different levels by many people. Therefore, it kind of speaks to a greater ability of inclusion to be manifest in that sort of ritual space. So, all of that, all of that.
0: Go ahead.
2: ahead. No, go ahead. So, all of those experiences that I had helping facilitate ecstatic ritual, uh, either helping facilitate it or just being part of it. Uh, and and i really I really feel blessed that i I stepped through it in a in a in a kind of a sequential fashion where I was a participant mm-hmm. only at the beginning and then I entered the training program and I began to understand uh what they were doing and also i'm 'm kind of a geek about this i'm a geek about group dynamics and a geek about the ritual process and what 's going on and so I really wanted to know how it worked I, you know my in my day-to-day life uh, when I'm uh, when I don't have the pagan uh, hat on I'm uh-huh. an engineer I've got an engineer's background mm-hmm. training and I've a, been a professional engineer for 30 years and I like to understand how systems work and I like to solve problems and so I applied uh-huh. this this uh, inclination to ritual at Diana's Grove and so I wanted to learn how it was done so I've learned knowing how it's done and how it feels whenever you do it is, is, was all part of my uh, me building some skills toward being able to, uh, to bring this sort of ritual alive uh, in the present day.
0: Uh-huh.
6: And I will attest that you used those skills um, when you facilitated the main ritual in 2014, which was wonderful. Um, how did that come about?
2: Interesting interesting question. Well, let me set the stage slightly. The uh, uh Pagan Spirit Gathering, which is uh
0: uh-huh. one of
2: the major PSG. major events that uh PSG that Circle Sanctuary sponsors uh and it you know it's really it's really one of the it's the, the biggest individual manifestation event that that uh, Circle does. Uh and it it's really I I it's a lot of fun I go to PSG like every year I think I've gone every year since 2010 and I think I've been to you know 18 different PSG's over over the last uh, 25 or 30 years <clears throat> so at PSG there is uh there are a number of rituals but on the toward the end of the week on Saturday evening there's a main ritual which is it's intended to be a, a a ritual that's the focal point of the whole gathering. PSG has there variously eight to eight hundred to a thousand people come to it. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in the village, and there's a lot of people at the festival at PSG. And so you do a ritual. You 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 got to scale a ritual now to do that many people. And I, for those of you out there who are who have some experience as ritualists, I will. I will suggest to you that you you may have figured out that, that ritual techniques that work for a group of you know six to thirteen uh, don't work necessarily for a group of twenty to forty. You kind of have a, need to have a different style, and twenty to forty to eighty adds a certain kind of a thing to it. But once you once you jump up into two hundred to, to six hundred people, you got a whole different logistic going on.
6: Absolutely. So,
2: uh, so at PSG in 2014, uh, the, the invitation was that uh, the group that I was part of that uh, had – we had, we had uh, begun coming to PSG uh, and intentionally singing around the, around the fire each night. So we, we did – what is it has grown into what is known at Pagan Spirit Gathering these days as enchantment. Mm -hmm. And it's a regular part of PSG, but enchantment before it was enchantment uh, that it was, it was a a, more or less of an ad hoc group of us who loved chanting. Now, it Mm -hmm. just so happens that many of us had some roots of experience at Diana's Grove, not all of us, but Mm -hmm. many, and some of us had roots of experience in reclaiming collective work. And so we, we had brought that uh, spontaneously into PSG and we're, doing a lot of singing. And then, uh, as it turns out, uh, Moonfeather and, uh, uh, decided she's the, the manager for PSG. She, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it Selena and others were involved in the decision, but the invitation came to us to say, Hey, would you guys who are doing this chanting, would you come and do the main ritual? Yeah. Come and do the chanting next year in 2014 and mm-hmm. do the main ritual. How about that? And so, uh, <laughs> So, group the group of us who who had uh, been coming to PSG for quite a while and enjoying the main rituals, and uh, the main rituals are vary in style from year to year, and given that our style was uh, in this uh, eclectic and ecstatic, highly participatory manner,
0: uh-huh.
2: we wanted to uh, you know that's the kind of ritual we wanted to bring. Uh, it took it, it actually uh you know i was i was involved i was one of the central people uh-huh. involved but there were a, about 8 or 9 of us were heavily involved in the at in the planning and we planned it like in the in the i think in the in the in the, in the spring like around february and we planned it and then uh-huh. when we when we got to psg in june we had a plan, but we also had a plan that included recruiting other people. So we ended up recruiting about another uh, 10 to 12 uh, mm-hmm. to 20 people. So there was about a, a group of approximately 30 of us who kind of had the idea of how to do this, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it took, it. whenever you're doing something as large as, let's just call it a 400-person ritual, it takes a number of and you want to make an ecstatic ritual. It takes a number of you, in the, uh, kind of, to, to be the master of ceremonies to help move the energy and tr- tell the story and lead the lead the chants and do the singing, lead the singing, get everyone involved. So uh, uh, the the ritual was uh, themed heart and harmony, and part mm-hmm. of part of the, the doing of that was uh, we created a a very large a heart-shaped mm-hmm. shield. And this heart-shaped shield became the the focal point for the ritual. Like a lot of rituals do have a focal point. Mm-hmm. And we uh we we had that shield uh at the at the tent where we did our singing called enchantment. And we mm-hmm. encouraged people to uh enter in, it became a community art project the shield did. Uh with prayers and blessings and intentions woven into it. Uh, painted on it, tied to it, uh, all you know, a lot of different, a lot of different uh, bits of individual magic came together into the symbol of community magic. And then we, we had, as is often the case at TSG, we would have a long procession into the ritual space, and this this heart-shaped shield was held high and led the procession. And uh, and we, as that procession snaked across the ground, at uh, Stonehouse uh site, that's where this PSG was that year, uh in northern Illinois. Uh, then and we snaked in toward the ritual uh circle. I some of my, uh, my I was part of the procession, uh part of the group of uh actually five guys who were holding the the shield up the really heart. high. The heart. The heart. Uh and uh so you know, my experience was, you know, trudging along and Moving, moving a little bit, and you know there were chants going on, and trying to keep the heart where it was supposed to be, and and everybody, there are other people behind me uh, supporting the singing and the chanting in the in that procession, and then and then there were others of our team who were in the circle uh, getting ready to receive the you know mass of people about to walk in there. And uh, mm-hmm. several of the folks there looked out there across the dusk and said, "You know, oh my God, oh my, That's, There they go, <laughs> the, here they here they come, oh goodness, oh goodness." Uh, and 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 that was, uh, you know, the heart came in, and we circled around and cast a circle, called quarters, uh, and then did some some community magic together about
0: mm-hmm. how
2: how we. we bring our heart and we merge it with the hearts of others and in that in the heart and the harmony of that uh that's where we make the magic of community uh Mm -hmm. and and that was it was really it was really a cool cool experience for me uh and uh i was very uh very honored to be asked to, to be part of it and very honored to work with a fabulous team of people uh i mean it's you cannot do such a thing by yourself. You actually need a team of people who are, who understand principles of of moving energy in a large group and, uh, and are are able to, you know, charismatically engage and create uh, the, the right conditions for, for a community magic of that sort to arise.
6: Absolutely. Um, you were—you have been so accomplished. You are an author. You are a well-known ritualist. Uh, what called you to ministry?
2: Well, um, I think I think part of uh, several reasons kind of uh, come together for that for me. Uh, I, I spoke about uh, you know, Joyce and I taught. From early on, and that led to the books. Uh, and uh, I think I think we felt that there is a, a particular potential in the pagan movement—a potential mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, first of all, just to be to be a welcoming alternative way of life as, in in a religious sense, uh, an alternative to the to the to the religions that are also out there in the world that uh, may not be as satisfactory for, for some individuals. Most, most of the pagans I know were either raised that way or they were raised Christian and shifted. Absolutely. A smaller category, smaller group shifted from Christianity, but not entirely. And then those would be what the ones I might, uh, that might claim they turned Christo pagan, which was what our third book was about. But the, um the that paganism has a potential i think is is a, is a true thing i enjoyed very much my time in working through diana's grove but as i mentioned it, it uh, the the ladies who founded it and the community itself dissolved after 2012 so that kind of left me left me in a little bit of an open space uh, i had been involved in pagan picnic early on uh but also stepped back from that after about the first 10 years. Uh, And so there was a time, really the time before Diana's Grove for me was heavily involved in St. Louis community, community organizing, pagan picnic, teaching. During Diana's Grove's era, I was focused on Diana's Grove teaching and writing. But then when Diana's Grove uh, declined, um, number one, I was, I was, Sad that that community no longer existed as it did, and the other thing was uh, I got back involved in St. Louis Pagan Picnic, which I am heavily involved with today. And while I am heavily involved with it today, my goal is actually to make sure that uh, that the next generation takes the reins effectively and and uh, and keeps it moving forward because I'm I'm getting old enough that that's I don't I don't want to carry that piece of it uh, mm-hmm. I want to support it like heck but I don't but I want to do more advising and less doing right so so kind of kind of in the in the the uh, circle sanctuary has always been something a group a uh, community I respected a lot I have respected Selena uh, mm-hmm. for all for many decades and the work that she's done to create circle and uh, and also, I've been a strong part of the PSG community. So I, I kind of looked around to see. I knew that I wasn't done serving the pagan community, but I was trying to figure out how how to manifest that best next. And uh-huh. it occurred to me that the that uh, that that the many people I knew who were part of Circle, who were already Circle ministers, were really a good good group of people i mean clearly uh, you you've been through that program and 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 i met i met you at p s g s and doing d- doing training through the what's known as the pagan leadership institute uh that's mm-hmm. a a leader a leadership training program that's part of pagan spirit gathering right and uh and so you know there there's just really good people who are part of circle sanctuary and particularly good people who are who have chosen to become ministers in Circle Sanctuary. And so I decided that uh that I really thought I could make a positive difference in paganism uh and a positive difference for the Circle Sanctuary community and for PSG uh which had been sort of a home community in, in a sense for me for many years. Uh if uh-huh. I were to say I do want I do want to go down this path for to toward greater service <laughs> learn about what it means to be a minister at Circle Sanctuary. And so in really in the summer of twenty sixteen I decided that uh I really wanted to go ahead and do that. And so uh that's that's when I entered the program and uh I have I had been uh basically spent just over two years in as a minister uh student.
0: Mhm
2: which is a particular particularly short time uh most usually it takes longer i think i think there was there was an experimentation with some uh a faster pace in my case uh-huh. uh i don't know i don't know if it was considered a successful experiment or not but generally <laughs> it's be. a 3 to it's generally a 3 to 5 year journey for somebody yes. who uh who enters the ministry training program and And uh, for Circle Sanctuary, and so uh, that's that's kind of, and then my interest has been in education from way back, and Mm -hmm. I can, and what I wanted to do uh, at Circle is continue to help with the education, and also you know the ritual arts and the and the chanting, singing of enchantment, all those things are very important to me, and I think that uh, I think it just gives me an outlet for. Uh, an outlet for my interest in teaching and an outlet for my interest in service, and my my interest in helping Circle uh, continue to solidify its basis of of uh, sustainability. And because mm-hmm. of, you know, the organizations rise and fall. Sometimes organizations you uh-huh. love fall. And uh, not uh-huh. everything is forever. And organizations that are essentially volunteer organizations like Circle Sanctuary, they need solid support, nurturance, and, you know, love love and care, uh, both, you know, from each individual who who uh, wants to contribute to them and also just kind of institutionally. It need, they need that kind of uh, guidance. So I, I think that my experience being – in community building and my experience in education and my love for ritual, my love for community and pagan community in particular, all of those aligned to kind of aim me in the direction of, of choosing uh, to seek the, a ministry uh, path with Circle.
6: And the um, program, um, as it is now, it's much different than when I first started. It's kind of in three different sections, isn't it? Three different layers. And the last layer being sort of a practical um a big project that you facilitate that for most of us ends up being a major part of our ministry um, tell us a little bit about your path
2: i think yeah you're you're right the 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 program as it as it is now um, it provides uh, a couple of a couple of years of essentially uh coursework that would uh-huh. be uh, so classes like that college. help much like a college where the courses that help you gain some proficiency in uh, in knowledge and proficiency in skills and a little bit of philosophy and there's a lot of different things that that uh, uh, a person who could be a minister in a pagan community or certainly a minister of circle sanctuary there's a lot of different skills you might want to have like uh, be aware of uh, the history of paganism. Be aware of the history okay. of Circle Sanctuary uh, mm-hmm. knowledge. Be aware of uh, uh, how uh, the needs of pagans in the military and how mm-hmm. that how those needs can be addressed and supported. The needs uh, in the in the community, the pagans for uh, civil rights and uh uh-huh. you know legal legal protections. That's another uh-huh. us, the circle sanctuary. It's something that one learns about whenever you're uh in the ministry training program. Uh, uh-huh. to learn about ritual and ritual arts in general. To learn uh about uh you know, end of life is a very important ministerial Excellent. aspect from circle. Because yeah, the- uh, you know Many, I, I bet i bet if you, i bet many people are aware but if you're not there's a, a green cemetery at circle sanctuary and mm-hmm. many there are several of the circle ministers selena among them who are quite expert at uh, you know end of life uh ministering a death death midwifery might be a term that could apply uh and then uh just the, the the process of being a chaplain to being a, a there are several people at Circle in the minister, who are Circle ministers Tiffany Andes uh, Kern uh, who are uh, chaplain or who are chaplains in their as their profession and they uh-huh. they are un, almost unique they're nearly unique in the world in that they are pagan chaplains working in secular institutions and it, right. it's really the cutting edge of bring, bringing bringing. Uh, paganism in, into uh in institutional settings where uh previously it's pretty much been it's been a christian uh jewish or, or islamic uh dominated uh, uh workforce or for for people who are in the chaplain role in a hospital or uh or in some other uh or in the military some other role usually it's in the hospital because it's Let's face it, most many people get to uh many people who are in a in a hospital or near a hospital, either they may be ill, uh, they right. may have a life th- threatening disease, or they might right. be the family of someone who's, uh, right. whose uh whose life is in peril is or who is injured. In yeah. Yeah. So that's why that's why hospital chaplaincy is is is, is an area of need for for that, uh, a lot of some people who are who have a regular standard relationship in a church often the the people who are the leaders of that church would you know provide social counseling and support. But a lot of people don't have such affiliations, and wow. and so uh, chaplaincy in a hospital is is really good for people who don't have a religious community. Maybe they don't have a religious background at all. It really doesn't matter. Uh, you know, grieving or or being, you know, dealing with fear, dealing with uh, the challenges of, of, uh, of health crises. I mean, that, that is how a chaplain can minister. And I think one of the good, really good things that Circle's ministry program does is it, it helps put a, a pagan pagan slant uh, on, on being a chaplain. Being a chaplain mm-hmm. takes a lot. To, you know, it's pr- probably the highest skill area of someone who comes to the circle ministry training program it uh, you learn a lot about it but it's a very sophisticated uh, field and it and it helps to have even more higher education if you if you can get it but so all of those all those things that I mentioned I'm sure I'm not covering the gamut all of those things are part of what uh, circle circle ministry training program covers and so in the first phase, you learn some of that stuff. You learn, you, there's a lot of different classes that are, there are several classes that are taught through the year. You learn the beginnings and the language around many those, those several topics. Uh, and then there's a phase two of the ministry where uh, you go into greater depth. You maybe, you, you possibly get to the point where you could teach something Uh, Or or you you go through the second phase and you you begin to work up the formulation of what what projects. Maybe you have a special project or two that helps your local community or helps uh, something to do directly with Circle. And then the the third phase is what they call the the practicum of the um, the ministry training program itself. And it it is a a major project or a a set of projects. Uh And these projects allow the, the ministry's trainings to uh, begin to focus on something that they may carry forward in, as part of their circle ministry. And I, mm-hmm. I fall into that category in that my, uh, my practicum projects involve one uh, helping to facilitate the pagan leadership Institute at pagan spirit gathering.
0: Mm-hmm. I mentioned
2: that earlier in that I, I, I took a lot of class. I taught, Took classes in that program years ago, taught classes through that program years ago, and now, uh, beginning this past year, I was uh, heavily involved in helping create the curriculum for Pagan Leadership Institute at PSG, and I will continue that into the future as part of my uh, circle ministry uh, practice. Then, uh, the, another thing I did was there was a uh, there was a, a style of facilitated uh, conversation uh, that, that we call uh, circles of connection uh-huh. circle of connection is, is a particular way to meet with a small group usually you know, five or six people it could be a slightly larger usually it's in person it could be virtually and in circle of connections purpose is to help have deep listening uh, deep exchange conversations it's not. It's not just to talk. It, it's to try to talk about a topic and learn something about it, but also to learn something about yourself, and and build connections amongst the people uh, by by sharing who we are with each other. You know, there's a lot of casual conversations that occur in the world, and and at festivals, just casual conversations, and you have a ball. Uh, and sometimes you get into a really deep conversation with someone that where you really connect, and it's and it's good. Those things happen naturally, but you can also uh, you can bend the rules a little bit. You can create a a, a safer, better space for those kind of connections to uh, to come forward. Uh, the circle of connection does that, and it's a particular technique that grew for me out of some of the things I learned at Diana's Grove. So. Circle of Connections is, is something that I facilitate within Circle Sanctuary, mm-hmm. and my purpose is to help build build in relationships amongst Circle ministers, and uh, and then uh, at the moment that's the focus. But um, to also include ministers in training, and to also include other other people interested in just having having a, a better and deeper network. Uh, connection with each other within the fabric of uh, the Circle Sanctuary community, or or at festivals where the Circle Sanctuary that Circle Sanctuary uh, promotes.
6: In their opening, and so the other. About... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I to say in the opening we talked about you were actually ordained this year in 2018 at TSG. What was ordination like for you?
2: it was really it was really beautiful and nice uh we had uh this was it was conducted at the uh at our enchantment uh site which is a canvas tent which is kind of fun we sing under it a lot so it was nice to be in what for me was a very very comfortable home spot and uh had my family was there joyce joyce and dave uh came in uh many of many of my friends from psg were there many of the other circle ministers uh, whom I've worked with were there, and other students in the, in the program, and just people that I know and love at from from PSG were were there, and uh, there was you know there was a you know, creating creating a sacred space and saying a few prayers and, and invocations, and then inviting people to uh, talk about uh, talk about my their perspective of my journey a little bit. <laughs> and then uh, also uh then the ordination itself was uh an opportunity to to have each of all of the other present members of the uh circle ministry core uh come and and uh, energize you know bless me energize me you know lay their hands on on my my you know head and shoulders and and send send me their uh, their energy and, and bring symbolically and, and energetically bring me into communion with them as, as part of the, as part of this group that are dedicated to serving pagan community through circle sanctuary and it's, and it's activities. So uh, that was a pretty awesome moment to, to feel all that and and have it witnessed by, uh, you know, friends and family
6: yeah that is I mean that 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 is uh, my ordination was the year of the flood, but it is and it it changes and and the it's funny for me when I first started the minister training program uh, minister was a noun, and when I became ordained it had become a verb for me so um yeah you're right it is the the process as it should be um for most people it's a transformation, and so it's it's um it's a really great opportunity for those who are called to ministry.
2: And now, part of part of what I'm going to do further is, uh, uh, in addition to the keeping going with the Pagan Leadership Institute and helping and helping facilitate circles of connection, I'm I'm going to be involved in the ministry training program itself uh, to help uh, Selena and Michelle, who are who are the main the main uh, teachers and leaders of it uh, to help them in coordinating uh, you know, the classes uh, and and supporting the students going forward. I'm still I'm still kind of on the the first steps of that part of the journey, but I'm really happy to be uh, able to help in that way.
6: Well, we're all very proud and very excited that you are a new Circle Sanctuary minister.
2: Well, thank and you, Deborah. I'm glad for that. Glad, glad to to have your appreciation and support. I, I have appreciated you for the over the years as a really uh, you know, excellent circle minister and someone who's uh, giving and supporting community, you know, at home and and through things that relate to Circle Sanctuary.
6: So we will have to have you come on later to tell us more about your journey and to tell us about the minister training program because. As I said, when I started, and now it's went through a lot of changes, and, and it's um it's really exciting to to hear about. Well, again, congratulations! Thank you for sharing your journey into pagan ministry with us, and congratulations on your recent ordination.
2: Thank you so much. I'm I'm really I'm really happy, but I think I think as you you've told me earlier, and others oh, yeah. others have told me, it's like okay. Good. Now now you can start the work.
6: <laughs> Absolutely. The work begins, and believe me, they have no problem giving you projects. Um, and remember, everyone, um, go on Amazon or www.llewellyn.com and look for one of River's books. I cannot um, recommend them highly enough. Uh, besides River, I'd like to thank David, our sound engineer, for his technical expertise. I'd like to thank Pagan's Tonight on Blog Talk Radio for hosting our show. And finally, I'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Radio. And remember, we're here each Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Central, or 9 p.m. Eastern time zone. And each week, we explore various topics of interest to the pagan community. Next week, our topic will be blues and the hoodoo tradition with author Jack Montgomery. So it's going to be a great show. Please come back. We'll now transition our show with a musical selection. Good night, everybody, and blessed be. One spirit
0: in the dark Like a candle wavers Many spirits joined as one